This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Monday, it's the 10th of July 2023, and today I get to say it. Yes, today it's all about blind people in space. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott yeah. and Sean Priest. That's me and that's him. Hey! Oh. <laughs> That's oh. new. I'm very much in favour of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I thought it was time. We always we always clap when we mm. have a guest. We always yes. applaud our guests. And I thought, you know what? It's time for us to listen. Come on, give it up for us. Yeah. Give it up for us. Thank you. I'm Thank actually saying, give That's it up enough. to us in an empty room <laughs> with a button that says applause on it. Is that really where we're at? Uh, well, yes, absolutely. And what's yeah. worse... I enjoyed it. I know. So Very did good. I. So did I. Uh, hey, listen, uh, the big story everyone's talking about today is Threads. Everyone's all excited because, um, well, Threads is here. A hundred, a hundred, that wasn't easy to say, a no. hundred million users so far. Wow. That jumped up, didn't it? It started it out with 30 million and we were all going, wow, that's quite good. And now a yeah. hundred million already. Uh, we've checked to see if it's accessible. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. What's going on here? What have you been doing over the weekend? I, I found my, I found my silly box. I found my silly box and I've raided it for fun stuff. And that seems like an appropriate jingle that we're going to use a lot in this program. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. Is it that bad? So there are a couple of issues. I actually shared a post on this on uh, the social media. Oh. Uh, you should check it out. It's very good. Um, it's social media. Uh, yeah, not threads, obviously, but to other <laughs> social media is uh, great. Uh, yeah, so Twitter, you know, is clearly falling to bits. Uh, so I keep being told on a fairly regular basis. I think I'm almost coming round to the idea people might be getting close to the truth. It does feel a little bit like, uh, you know, one of those, uh, what do they call self-fulfilling prophecies? If we just keep saying it, it'll die, and then it really? does die. Then we'll see. Oh, well, see, I told you it was going to die. What's coming apart? I haven't used it in the longest time. It's it's just feeling a little bit broken. And I think part of it's because we're seeing a lot of journalists and people walking away from it. Now, that could be because of threads. Uh, a lot of people might be heading over to another network like Threads because they think, okay, let's start afresh, somewhere new. Um, Zuckerberg said at the weekend he wants it to be a place where uh, nice things will happen, nice people will exist. No, stop that. Stop that. He's being, he's trying, no, no. He is trying to make it a better place. It's well, easy to do. Just just don't let any people on. <laughs> that's probably best. Make yes. it AI only. Let me just check the audience reaction on that one. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, okay, they're in favour of that. <laughs> Absolutely right. I'm having way too much fun. Uh, but yeah, so right, stop that. I can't stop it now. Anyway, no. so uh, yeah, I did share this article at the weekend, uh, which is talking about the accessibility of threads, and is quite concerning because right off the bat, and this is the big one, I guess, for a lot of us is no alt text capability on there. I mentioned this on the Express at the weekend, but there's no alt text capability for any images. And if you're trying to add an image and say you do add an image to it, um, first off, you have to give over your, uh, you know, your photo collection to them. You can select the photos rather than giving all of them, which I do, which I'd really give access to my entire photo library. I just don't like the idea of them being mined for some yeah. nefarious purpose. And I haven't read the, thre- the Threads um, Terms and Conditions, but some people have read them and they say, yeah, pretty much it's taking everything you need to know about you and putting it in their database. So, you know, just be aware of that. But then I guess Twitter's the same. I guess others are the same. Less so Mastodon, though. though. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I, I remember seeing a story on Facebook where, you know, they were using someone's Facebook profile's pictures mm. in some sort of advertising, and it was uh, of a young girl that had passed away, sadly. And I thought, well, that's absolutely atrocious, right? But apparently that's in their T's and C's. They're allowed to do that. Whatever you post is theirs, basically. So I'm wondering if it's the same on threads. I, I don't like that either. So here's what is being said in this Mashable article, and this comes from, uh, in particular, Alan Mason, who's the CEO and founder of web accessibility company UserWay. He says, digital platforms have a responsibility to be inclusive and it is essential that accessibility is at the forefront of their design considerations. Now, that obviously makes sense. That's something we all say. Um, But he's been talking to Mashable and he says, unfortunately, Meta 
has seemed to uh, you know, not be quite good as good at this at all. So Threads being a platform focused on text, image and video sharing should make accessibility a priority, says Mason. Unfortunately, it seems like any accessibility features present in the app are not easily discoverable and there is a lack of accessibility, an accessibility statement that would clarify the app's commitment to digital inclusion. So, for example, he says uh, the core accessibility features on Instagram today, such as screen reader support and AI-generated image descriptions, are also enabled on threads. Um, however, and, and we should say, of course, the first iteration of that app did not have any of that. Um, and the same with Facebook as well. But things have improved a little bit over on Instagram for sure. Um, but alt text, for example, on threads, not something which is available on threads at all. And that's become a basic standard, really in uh, allowing us to understand what's going on in images and give people a chance to explain their images. It's not even AI-generated alt text that you can add there either. Um, and that's something you can do on all other meta platforms, but you can't do it yet on here. So is that something that's coming? Probably. But it should have really been in there from the start. It's an age-old question, though, isn't it? I mean, do we do we need to accept that we got to be patient and we shouldn't expect accessibility from the off? Are we still at that point? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you know, we are. We, as a community, I think we all generally go, ah, well, it's the first time. Maybe it'll come later on. But should we still be saying that? I, I have always been a little bit of the let's be patient in my approach to this, right? I've because we've had always that. had to be, though. Well, I mean, Exactly. I that's right. We've always had to be. And then I was listening to Jonathan Mosen, who's a podcaster, who's also a, a well-known advocate in our community. And he was talking at the National Federation of the Blind Convention last week, and I got a chance to listen to, to the speech in full. And I have to say, if you get a chance, it's on YouTube, and I think they'll be making it available in other ways as well. I think Jonathan's put up on his own website as well. You can listen to his speech in full. It's well worth going to listen to, because he talks about this issue of patience and the fact that in 2023 we should not be patient any longer. Now he talks in that speech about the fact that he's often been called militant. He's often been called the you know the aggressor essentially the one who's trying to push forward this this narrative. He said but why should I sit back and wait when other people aren't waiting? He said would it be acceptable for example if there was a screen reader issue on a phone and that meant, for example, that your uh, voiceover, for example, just stopped speaking randomly. He said, would it be acceptable if someone's screen just randomly flickered and turned off for 10 minutes a day? Would that be okay? Would we be okay with that? Would would there be a front page article on every tech magazine, possibly even on the actual news, saying, my phone just keeps turning off all the time? And that wouldn't be acceptable, would it? It wouldn't be acceptable to the general public. So why is it acceptable to us, and why should it be acceptable to us? I have to say, having listened to what he said, I am mindful of the fact that we maybe do need to turn the heat up a little bit where we need to. I mean, if it's a conversation, if it's a case of, look, mistakes were made, we'll fix them. If In this case with threads, if they say, look, we're absolutely on a journey here, we will get there, we apologise, we should have done this at the, at the start. We're on a journey here. I think most people, most reasonable people would say, okay, fine. But it's when we get silence from these companies, mm -hmm. and that's the problem. We often do. We get nothing and no sound at all from them, ironically. And that can be a real problem for us. And and that that's the issue for me, and that's when the, the patience part really runs out. And it runs out a lot quicker, I think, these days, because there's no need for it. I mean, this article's pointing this out, that on Meta's other platforms, they have all this, these features. They've actually gone to great pains to build them. Uh, yes, but when? From the off? From day one? Well, no. But that, um, but that shouldn't be an excuse. No. So the next time around, they should be there from the start, right? Because they are aware of them. And I'm not entirely sure about if they're saying, okay, yes, we, they are coming. We are working on them. That, that sort of, okay, then we will be patient. I, I'm still not sure that we should accept that where we are now because accessibility isn't a, oh, what are you talking about? I remember ringing companies, you know, 10, 15 years ago and asking about, is your whatever accessible? And then not even having a clue what I was talking about. Yeah, uh, I think we're we're past that now. Uh, if you've got an accessibility department, or even if you haven't, a, a certain size of company, you should know about accessibility. So I am, I'm not. I no, honestly I am, don't care am, if they're saying oh, we're working on it. I don't care. I am absolutely fine 
with a small developer or a small company yes. starting out saying, I didn't realise, I am so sorry, and this has completely passed me by. Absolutely. That to me is excusable because I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yep. It's not taught in coding class. It's not taught at university. It's not something that comes up in conversation very often unless someone brings it up. That's a problem. So we in our bubble here as blind people can often get wrapped up in this idea that you should just know about it. Well, I'm sorry, I don't go with that because there's lots of things people should know about. And of course, accessibility means a lot of different things. Exactly right. I don't know about accessibility in other areas, right? That's exactly. So I totally understand that. But we're talking about a company of a certain size, of a certain responsibility here, I think. And I just don't think it's good enough. That's my take on it. That I think when you're talking about this company in particular, Meta, it's not good enough. And in fact, this is a great opportunity. If, if Zuckerberg really wants to stick it to, to Musk, he should put the effort in today to make threads as accessible as possible. Because then at least that gives blind people an opportunity to join this platform. Not just blind people, but all disabled people and indeed anybody to join this platform and use it and say, stuff it, Musk, I'm off to here. Because do you yeah. know what? As, as the amount of times I've had this conversation on this show about Twitter, and people keep saying to me, well, you know, if I leave tomorrow, it will make a difference. Well, it won't. I'm sorry, it won't. You can leave tomorrow as an individual, and it will make zero difference. But if 200 million people leave, then it'll make a difference. And that's the point. So if people move en masse, and a lot of people are moving to this now, not necessarily disabled people to threads at this point, but there are a lot of people who are in the journalism fields, who are in the creative industries, who are saying... Here's a place we could go. Now, whether it's any better or worse, we have to figure this out. I have to say, when people are involved, kind of joking around at the start, but, you know, where people are involved can tend to, you know, go to heck quite quickly. Yes, well done. Um, but <laughs> it, we'll see, right? We'll see how this goes. Uh, some other things to, to note from this article, and, and please do read it. It's on my social media, at uh, Blind Guy Tech on Twitter or at Double Tap on Air on uh, Mastodon. Uh, Threads doesn't provide custom captioning for videos. Again, I think this is something you can do with uh, Instagram, um, although I'm not an expert on Instagram at all. Third, no. uh, Threads also lacks a desktop version for third-party access, um, so that can impact people who need uh, specific plugins or accessibility features or mobility devices. Uh, also has no dynamic font, text features, or other customizability. Hmm. So uh, that's another issue as well. High contrast, for example, dynamic texts, all that kind of thing cannot be changed. So there's quite a lot in there or that is not in there, shall we say. And uh, that's a problem. So it's not a problem for me. And I did try the app out and um, you can navigate it. I mean, it's not it's not an issue to navigate around. It's just that what they seem to have done on the iOS version, at least, is, is they've kind of lost the grouping. So as you move around Twitter or Facebook, you'll notice that you'll move from what would be a message, including all of the associated icons and buttons and whatever else, in a group, right? It would group all that. Um, whereas on threads, everything is on its own. So you can move from the icon, which is your avatar, to the username, then to the message, then to the reply button, the repost button or whatever it is. And, you know, you can sort of move around the screen that way. But that it's a lot of swipes to get you through that. Yes. And, and to be honest, it put me off right away. Now, I haven't really gone much further than that. I'm not overly keen on learning another social network at this point. And if the accessibility, like alt text, isn't there, I can't add images. I can't do things there. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm probably going to stay away from it for now. But you know, right off the bat, there are problems. And yes, you can use it. But there's that accessibility versus usability point again, which we you know bring up a lot here. And um, yeah, it's accessible, but not the most usable. And I think I mentioned earlier, when you do get an image on there, uh, you have to find a weird icon button. It's not even labeled. It's the essentially the delete yeah, yeah, button. I'm, I'm just not, not even. I'm not labeled. interested. I'm just. I, I, why do I want another one that I'm basically going to ignore? Well, in your um, case, yes, because you didn't even use it. No, exactly right. I, I'm not. And the other thing I'm, I'm concerned, well, not concerned about, that sort of steers me away from it is. Do you need to open an Instagram account first or can you just open, you know, install threads and open a threads account or register? Or do you need, you know, Yeah, I'm Instagram not sure on that first? one because I had an Instagram account. I must have set it up ages ago. I don't even mm. remember setting it up. I've never posted on it. So if you go and search for me, you'll find, you'll find me, but you'll see nothing because there's nothing there. Uh, but it just asked me as soon as I downloaded the app, do you want to use this Instagram account to sign into threads? And ah, I just said right. yes. So you've got the Instagram app installed on your phone anyway? I must have, yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. I must have, yeah. Yeah, 
okay, we'll wait and see. I mean, you know, Zuckerberg has definitely got the uh, he's got the clout to make this work, and it does seem yeah. like it's making an impact. So we will wait and see. Yeah, we will. I mean, like I say, he could really make a difference here with people if he actually got the accessibility right. Then he he could potentially, he could potentially, you know, give us another place to go, another platform to go. Although I did get a comment from someone on um, Mastodon today saying this is something we don't have to worry about on Mastodon because our clients are accessible, or you know, and you know, and you can't you can't fault people for thinking this. Look, why would I go somewhere that's inaccessible, that's difficult, that's challenging? When I can go somewhere that's easy, that I can get along with people, that yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. I can totally see the appeal of Mastodon for that reason. Oh, absolutely, especially I, for I, us as blind people. The app was—I was really impressed by the app. I thought it was very, very accessible. It was pretty intuitive. I thought it was very good. But the thing is, you go where you know other people go. It's as simple as that. It could be the best thing, most accessible thing in the world, but if it's only you and one other person on it, it's not going to work. So, yeah, we will um, see. Evernote. You ever used Evernote? No. Absolutely not. No. Oh, that seems pretty... Uh, Slightly aggressive tone, I know. Yeah, but I, I, I'm sensing something. I'm sensing no. a, a problem here. I hate anything with note in it. Oh, I see. Right, because you don't like taking notes. This That's is all making exactly sense right. to me. Yeah, yes. this makes sense to me. I get this. <laughs> as I, as I, every single time I want to send you something, I have to continually send it to you in an Correct. email, yes. which you promptly delete. I, I always lose, and you got to send me it again. Yeah. Well, the company is having some problems. Layoffs uh, are the latest victim, just announced today, of the tech downturn, which has seen significant numbers of jobs lost over the course of the past year. And, of course, it's not the only company to have made layoffs. Clubhouse, Meta, Plex, Sonos as well. Uh, even $3 trillion Apple are laying off contractors, uh, although Tim Cook is not ruling out uh, cuts in permanent workers as well. Um, it says here in this uh, 9to5Mac article, while Evernote was one of the most popular productivity apps for a while, it has struggled in the last few years. And uh, lots of reasons for that. But, yeah, an interesting. Of course, uh, for Apple fans, um, own, Apple's own Notes app has grown notably more powerful over the last year. Has um, it? So, yeah. Well, it has, actually. Yeah, but I find I will it say, really cumbersome. So do app. I. I mean, look, I, I go back to... Um, I always go back to Lucy's now. That's the one I'm forever using. Because it's, I mean, it's not really a note-taking app, but you can absolutely use it like that. Um, all I want is new text document. That's all. I've got a thousand of new text document. Well, yeah. Document 22 text edit on my desktop. On the Mac, notepad on PC. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I just want something where I can open it up and bang, do I want a new one or browse what I've already got? And I'm sure, yeah, yeah Notes does that. Of course it does. But it just seems so weird to me. And I think, oh, I can't be bothered. I mean, Ulysses is very good for me on the on the phone, but I'm wondering, is there anything that is like a plain text editor that sort of outputs .txt files for the iPhone? Is there anything that does that? Mm, I don't know. I saw someone asking this question somewhere on social media, and it just it made me think. I, I don't think I know of any. I know that plenty that can do... I mean, I know you can output TXT. I think you can output TXT, actually, in um, Ulysses. I think you can, yeah. So, Ulysses, Ulysses. Can I love it. Why don't you just marry it? Well, oh, right. if I wasn't married, but it's illegal to marry two things in this, two okay. people in this country. So I don't, that, I say that's things. the problem. Two people, yes. yeah. Um, but it's not a people. It's a, oh, anyway, never mind. Uh, right, shall we get to some feedback? Yes, please. Okay, excellent. Let's get to that. Uh, Jeanette's been in touch and left us this voicemail. Hello, this is Jeanette from Coventry. Just thought I'd feedback on a few issues raised recently. First of all, the Be My Eyes beta. I was fortunate enough to be able to be signed up for that. And on the whole, I think it's very good. Um, it works well with cat food. I tried it on a toothbrush to find out what colour it was. It gave me a lot more information. Um, like it said, it was in good condition, which I should hope it would be because it was new, hadn't been used before. <laughs> um, wasn't so good on a packet of hula hoops. So I think finding out which flavour is not easy. Just open it and just take take your look, really. Yeah, sniff, um, sniff test. And also, it, I find it quite slow. It takes all up to about 30 seconds sometimes after taking the picture and for the description to appear um it does also say uh, i took 
a photograph of something once and it said there's a code in there, but I couldn't see it. So it did point out, that out that it, it, perhaps it wasn't quite in focus, which is good. So just a wait for it to be out in public. Um, next thing is with the phone link stroke Windows link app for linking your iPhone to your PC. Oh, yeah. Callum said that he had problems with it and he's not the only one. I managed to get it uh, installed with the help of my teenage daughter. So it was working. And then for reasons unbeknown, I reset my PC. Couldn't get the Windows phone link app to work again. So tried. I found it near impossible to scan the code independently. Um, what I did in the end was I deleted the Windows link app from my iPhone, reinstalled it, had both the phone and the PC apps open at the same time, and then the iPhone app prompted me to scan the code on the PC. And on that occasion, it worked like a dream, and it's been installed ever since, and it's worked fine. But no guarantees uh, that is just my my own experience with it. And lastly, about the, the Braille issues, QWERTY versus Perkins keyboards. Mm-hmm. I've learned Braille since I was a child. I use it every day. So personally, I find a Perkins keyboard easier for typing. I, mean, I can use a QWERTY keyboard, but... I would prefer the Perkins keyboard because of the speed and also being able to type contractions as well. Yes, there is a literacy aspect, which I understand about that. If you're writing things in contractions, it's probably, yeah, your spelling might take a dive. But then I find that actually reading in Braille does help spelling anyway, you know, because if you're reading words with your fingers, it reinforces them in your mind. So also writing Braille on a Perkins keyboard, I think if you're writing, say, dots one for A, dots one and two for B, dots one and four for C, et cetera, et cetera, then for me, wouldn't that reinforce that in your memory um, and help to you to memorize letters more easily? I know other people have different experiences, and if you if you find using a QWERTY keyboard to write Braille easier, then go ahead. But that's just my own opinion, anyway. But yeah, I prefer to use a Perkins keyboard. All right, well, that's it for now, and keep up with the the good work, Stephen and Sean. And bye for now. Thank you very much, Jeanette. That was very kind of you to get in touch and, and share your thoughts with us. I know this show sometimes can give you so much to talk about that it's quite difficult <laughs> to keep keep it all uh, in one sentence or one uh, one message. But uh, we really appreciate you getting in touch, Jeanette. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Um, be my eyes. You know, I, currently, because I'm running the iOS 17 beta, it's not working as it should. No one's fault, obviously. It's, they're both in beta, so uh, not a problem. But when I heard the rumor that Seeing AI was getting AI uh, chat GPT support, I thought, oh, I wonder how that's going to affect Be My Eyes. But of course, there is that extra option in Be My Eyes that when the virtual volunteer doesn't get it right, or Be My AI as it's now known, I think, mm. um, when it's, you know, when you're not sure, you've always got that option to ask an actual human being a volunteer, which I think, you know, adds that extra element to it, which you're not going to have in seeing AI if it does get this feature. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still really excited by Be My Eyes. It's, uh, it's still a really, really useful feature. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, let's go to another voicemail from Ronnie because uh, lots of you getting in touch. Here's uh, Ronnie's comment. Hi, this is a two-part message for Negative Julian. Part one, where did he get the NFC tags for the laundry? And secondly, if he is still having difficulty threading the needle, he should try what is called a self-threading needle. 
it's pointy on one end, and on the top it has a notched V with a little latch. And when the thread goes through, it hooks on the latch, and it's in place. Simple. Even mm-hmm. I can do it. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Negative Julian, you need to tell us if you did manage to thread that needle because we've had a few uh, responses to that and we're all interested now. Yeah, but as for the button itself, uh, he did send me the link, which I will put on our show notes uh, and you can go and see. Uh, this is from eBay, but I think you can get these on Amazon as well. Uh, it's uh, He got a 10-pack of 24 millimeter NFC button laundry tags with two holes in it. So standard button, I guess. Um, and uh, they're waterproof as well, which is good to know, because, of course, that's the whole point, right? You want it to survive the wash. Exactly. I, I did buy, I've actually got them here, and it's so funny, I knew threw them away because I thought it was a mistake. Um, I got a pack of these NFC tags, these little stickers. Oh. Because you had done that little demo for us, mm-hmm. and I thought, I'm going to listen back to that, and I'm going to try some of these. Are you actually going to listen? Yeah, I actually, I thought I might even listen to something on our own show. <laughs> I know. Um, but honestly, this is... Um, this is just terrible. So they arrived in an open bag. Um, they, they clearly have been stuffed in here. Half the stickers have fallen off. Oh, well, come it's, on. I mean, cheap rubbish. And honestly, you know what gets me about it? It, it was like 10 quid. And I think, you know what? You can say, oh, only 10 quid. That's 10 quid. 10, 10 quid is 10 that's, quid. That's a million Canadian dollars. Dollars. Absolutely And you cannot right. prove me wrong on that. Ring them up immediately and tell them. Complain, I will, sir. I will complain to somebody, or just you, probably. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Uh, listen, stick around, because uh, coming up next, Blind People in Space. I have a story to share with you next that you're going to hang around for on that. Plus, keep your feedback coming as well. one 803 4567 That is our call-in number. one 803 4567 Email feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Now, you might remember a while back on the show, I told you a story about my trip on a bus to work, where I told a woman sitting next to me that I worked for NASA. Now, I admit I was feeling rather mischievous that day, but after getting the significant impression that she was believing every word I was saying, I went on to explain that I worked for NASA in the field of disability compliance and that I was the guy who made sure that there were Braille signs everywhere for the bathrooms and, you know, the signage around the International Space Station. Now, I was joking, of course, but it turns out the woman I spoke to might actually have had the last laugh because after telling that story on air, I was contacted by Andy Squires, a blind man from Arlington, Virginia, who earlier this year completed a course from an organisation called SpaceKind. Now, it's a non-profit with a focus on space exploration and development, and its main objective is to develop a diverse and inclusive community in the field of space exploration. Now, on its website, SpaceKind say their overarching goal is to ensure that the advancements and benefits derived from space exploration are accessible and beneficial to all of humanity. Well, Andy got involved with SpaceKind as a result of actually applying for another project called Astro Access, aimed at promoting disability inclusion in space exploration by paving the way for disabled astronauts in the STEM fields by launching disabled scientists, veterans, students, athletes and artists on parabolic flights with the Zero Gravity Corporation, known as Zero-G, as the first step in a progression towards flying a diverse range of people into space. Now, while Andy hasn't yet been able to get into that project, he did meet the founder of SpaceKind, Loretta Whitesides, during a conference he attended. Now, you'll hear the thoughts and reasons behind the setup of SpaceKind from Loretta later from a video featured on her website. But first, I spoke to Andy and asked him where his interest in all of this began. I work in information technology, and but it was the space program has always been an interest in mine all my life. And, you know, I was one of those kids that build model rockets and that kind of thing. And um, about... Oh, five years ago now, I I did this online master's degree at the University of North Dakota. And it's a space studies degree. It's very interdisciplinary. You do a little bit of everything, like orbital mechanics and 
space law, commercial space. I did a whole class on Mars. So it was kind of the, uh, you know, midlife crisis. I'm going to go do something I've always been interested in kind of thing. And it was all on, it was an online degree. So it was easy to do from Arlington. <laughs> so there was that. And then I just found out about Astro Access. I had applied a couple times for that, the Paradox flight, and wasn't accepted. But through Loretta Whitesides, who was involved in that, found out about this analog astronaut mission. When I was in graduate school at Caltech, I had everything going for me. I was on track to be selected to be an astronaut, maybe even the first woman to walk on the moon. The only problem was I was miserable. Luckily, my JPL mentor intervened. He helped me see that even walking on the moon wouldn't be a big enough achievement to help me like who I was, help me feel like enough. I realized that was the mission that I was going to have to complete first, my most important journey. A journey I've been on for the last 20 years. That's why I launched SpaceKind. It's a new kind of space training that helps you not only get to space, but like the person you are when you get there. Because who we are when we get to space, it's going to set a precedent for generations to come. It's kind of a self-help class based on this book that this woman wrote. And it's a lot of, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of people there in the space industry who take it and a lot of diversity. A lot of people are interested in diversity and inclusion in space exploration and that sort of thing. So I, I took that class and, and she's part of this astro access who does the parabolic flights. And, and I asked her at one point, you know, Mobility isn't the only accessibility issue that will be involved in space exploration. And they have these analog missions where people go for a period of two weeks or months, or some people have done it for a year, where they go to these facilities and they simulate a mission. So I asked her, have you ever thought about sponsoring somebody with a disability for one of these analog missions? And she immediately put me in touch with this other woman who was doing just that. And so she set up these two missions that took place in the end of April and beginning of May. And they were called Inclusion 1 and Inclusion 2. And she accept, accepted me for the second one. So I was on the second Inclusion 2 mission. This was at this facility in Arizona. And so we were. We did a mission for five days. We're talking here about essentially on-Earth missions that are going on, which are part of the process of space exploration, because it's not all about necessarily the exploration of space itself. It's about the safety of the astronauts who go up there. And, you know, the work that's being done down here is, is helping in that. Right, right. And, I, and, you know, a good story about that is, you know, we did EVAs, you know, like a spacewalk. And so we had to wear spacesuit and go out into what they called this Mars yard. But the interesting thing about it was a couple times now, astronauts have asked, actually lost their vision in space. That's happened twice. The one guy, you know, he the anti-fog chemical they put in the helmet got in his eyes and it was making his eyes tear up and he was having trouble seeing on the spacewalk. Another guy had a water leak. And so you're out there, you can't see anything and you got to be able to deal with that. And so my, my idea for my EVA was to simulate, obviously I can't see. So like a rescue, like if you're on Mars or the moon or something. And I was, I was taking this big long strip of webbing they use in rock climbing and I was going to cut it and tie it around me and, you know, sort of simulate having another astronaut drag me back into the habitat kind of thing. But the crazy thing about it was it is so hard to work with those gloves. I have a new appreciation for how hard astronauts work and you can't, you can't feel anything in the gloves and obviously you can't see it. So you can't really 
spot what you're doing. It was really hard to feel. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, they need to really develop some kind of haptic touch in the gloves themselves. And that would benefit all astronauts, not just one that might be blind, you know. Do you get the impression that they were listening to that, that they were taking that on board? Were they furiously writing things down as you were talking, do you think? Um, a little bit. I uh, Part of the thing about this facility, it's called SAM, which is a space analog for the moon and Mars. And it's the bones of it are pretty old, but they've done a lot of renovation recently. And these were the first couple missions to try it out. Their big focus was we want a facility that's actually pressurized. So the, the atmosphere inside is higher than the atmosphere outside, the higher pressure, so that you had to use an airlock to go out and come back in. Mm. You couldn't just walk out the door. And so it's sort of unique in that way. There's not really any other facility in the in the U.S. like that. When they designed their innovations, they weren't thinking accessibility. That wasn't their thing. But, you know, that didn't mean they didn't want to, like, accommodate these inclusion missions. <laughs> and we were the first two missions to go in, you know, after their renovations they did and all this stuff. So, like, in the kitchen, they, they had a bread maker and uh, uh, Instapod and totally inaccessible, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> So it it just it wasn't their focus, but they're definitely the director is a guy by the name of Kai Stotts was, you know, did ask me a lot of questions. And we talked about a lot of things. Accessibility wise uh, that maybe they could implement in the future. And the biggest one that we talked about was because it's pressurized, you have these meters inside and outside the doors that show you what the pressure is. And, you, you know, people watch those meters to tell when it's okay to open the door and that kind of thing. And they're, they're inaccessible, you know. But they did actually, part of my project was using all these sensors that measured like CO2 and, you know, humidity and temperature and all that kind of thing to, to track it. And I was actually just using Python programming to access these sensors. So that, that actually worked out pretty well as far as the accessibility of the sensors. Yeah, because the problem is you're not going to get IRA or Be My Eyes in space unless yeah. that's something that's being developed and we don't know about. Maybe maybe if Elon turns all those Starlink satellites around, you might be okay. Right. But, well, yeah. and the you know part of the simulation was we had to leave our phones outside. <laughs> Yeah, we take well, our phones in because you can't use so, them in space, right? So it's not it's not yeah. really going to work. You can't just grab your phone and Google the answer. But it's interesting because you're talking about experiences which, in some ways, seem very pedestrian. You know, you talk about the bread maker and the Instapot and those kind of things, the the inaccessibility of daily life for blind people. But you're kind of looking at it from a perspective of maybe fifty years in the future when we're all traveling back and forward to Mars. Or we've decided to ditch Earth and just live on Mars. You know, <laughs> whether we're all going one way or coming back, who knows? But, but you know, it does raise an, an interesting question, which is what the point is for them in all this. I mean, I get it from our point of view. We can be part of the conversation. We can offer our perspective. And you've been doing that. What are they using that information for? What What is the point of the whole program? The idea is to really get everybody should be able to be involved in space exploration, not just the completely healthy people. I heard a talk by this guy. Uh, he's a professor at the Open University. One of the things he said was, you know, people with disabilities might actually have something to contribute about living and working in a difficult environment. And that's what space is. So I think the idea is... You know, not only let's just include everybody, but also we might have something to contribute because we know what it's like to deal with difficult conditions. We are, we are the ultimate adaptable people. Right. <laughs> and how, much, how much nonsense do we have to deal with on a daily basis and find workarounds for this and workarounds for that all the time? If we're not slapping bump-ons or, 
you know, tactile dots and everything to try and get our way through it because the thing we're using, the Instapot or the bread maker or the microwave or the whatever that isn't accessible, we find a workaround to make it accessible for us. We don't just say, oh, well, we'll never eat again. So, you know, we, we are, we're very adaptable and we get there. I'm just, I guess I'm surprised that they're thinking this way this early on. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it feels almost like I would expect this conversation in 10 years when they go, oh, yeah, what about the blind people? I'm a little surprised, too. But, you know, I also think here's Elon Musk who just got, got rid of his Twitter accessibility team. He's, you know, he's the guy who has the most impact, influence on space exploration right now, especially human exploration mm. of space. He's not going to listen to us. None of this is going to make any difference to him. <laughs> So, you know, and yet and yet he'll, you know, he supposedly identifies himself as being, you know, being autistic. I think, you know, part of it started with, you know, inclusion in terms of women and minorities and that sort of thing. And then it sort of morphed into, you know, disabilities are always last. Yes. <laughs> we're, always at the, we're always at the end of the queue, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and that's Brandy, you know, she was like, my mission was all women, three women and me. One woman was a a student who was from Sri Lanka originally, and then, and, a, and our commander was South Asian American. So we had diversity that way, too. Well, you didn't have Scottish people, so, you know, it wasn't fully diverse. No Scottish people, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so let's talk about the mission, right? Let's talk about what you actually did. This was just basically in a sealed, it's, I can't remember what they said, it's like 1,500 square feet, 1,200 square feet, so size of a small house. Um, and there were very, there's like various modules sort of attached to each other that they've kind of added on. And so you, the idea is you're, you feel sealed in because you're pressurized. You can't go out without going through an airlock. Um, and there was some hydroponics in there. So there was like, uh, mostly lettuce that we had to take care of and we actually ate some of it. And, um, and because it was a new facility, mostly what I was doing was measuring the characteristics. So basically we would seal it all up and then watch how high the carbon dioxide would get that kind of thing Mm. and just uh measure the characteristics how much it was leaking how much it wasn't leaking and uh that kind of thing and somebody else did a project she had a 3d printer in there so she was printing she actually printed uh some graphs of our data that i could feel that was kind of cool like a so and then she also printed a a map of the facility, which didn't help me much because I already was knew it like the back of my hand by the time she was done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would be great for somebody who was going in there for the first time to, you know, look at her map first to kind of get it oriented. And then we had some other things like uh, we had this crazy pet seal <laughs> it was uh Hang on, what a pet seal a pet seal it was like a not a real seal it was a <laughs> it was like one of these ama, animatronic japanese things and wow so it would kind of make noise and move and you know and we were supposed to like it was supposed to be like our pet and it did it did it make you feel you know, relax more and that kind of thing. We had to fill out these questionnaires and <laughs> we kind of thought it was creepy. My, my, <laughs> yeah, they said it was kind of creepy the way it would look at you. And <laughs> why not seeing eye dog? Come on, and, you know, proper yeah. inclusion here, right? Never mind pet yeah, seals. Well, and what, what can a seal do for you? I mean, I suppose in the worst case, you know, if it gets really bad up there, you can always, you know, eat it. Right, right. Well, not the animatronic one, obviously, but, you know, it was a real one. <laughs> yeah. It seemed a bit of an odd thing to choose to go in there, but okay. I, I, I suppose it's all about diversity. Even sea life have to be considered. 
Um, but I mean, this is um, this is very interesting. I mean, I, you can kind of see though that there's a lot of things going on in terms of the exploration that's happening and what they're doing because all of this translates to important research for what goes on in space, on the International Space Station, on any manned missions, and even unmanned missions that are going on. And you know, oftentimes you, you talk about plant life, which of course is a major source and would be a major source of any manned mission. Uh, in particular for, you know, understanding how it works and of, even for providing food sources, although lettuce, ugh. Uh, but, you know, okay, fine. <laughs> we had other stuff too. We had some jalapeno peppers and uh, no I can't remember what else was there. No Twinkies. Uh, right. <laughs> we were lucky though. Our our the our crew member who did most of the cooking was actually really good at improvising stuff. So we got we got lucky there. When we came out, there was like a little sort of press conference afterwards. And one of the questions they asked was what detracted from the simulation that you were on Mars? And my answer was the food was too good. <laughs> so. so what's the long-term plan here? Is, is it, you want to be in, you want to go to Mars? What's the, what's the deal? No, I'm an older parent and I have two kids. And oh, so you I'm, really want to go to Mars? I'm 61. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so I'm 61. So I think I don't really, you know, at this point, at this point, I'm still in the camp of space lights too dangerous. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I'm willing to do interesting things to help others get there. Mm. And, uh, you know, that that's my interest. You know, I was thinking uh, after this mission, one thing I'd like to do maybe is work on mission control in one of these analog missions because they usually have uh, mission control people. And it just I kind of liked what they were doing for our mission. You know, you, you would send them an email and say, you know, I can't figure out this blah, blah, blah. Can, can you look it up? And so they'll do that. And I would like, I would like that kind of research thing aspect to it. So. Feels like this is a really important time for humanity. We have a incredible opportunity to use the move into space to make some critical course corrections and how we treat ourselves, how we treat each other, and how we treat our home planet. We're not passengers here. This is a spaceship. That's our windshield. It's got a pretty epic view of the galaxy. We don't treat it like that. It's time for us to step up and become crew of Spaceship Earth. Loretta Whitesides there speaking on a promotional video of her company she founded called SpaceKind. And you can find out more about their courses at spacekind.org. The next one begins in September. You can also learn about the Astro Access Project by visiting astroaccess.org and apply to be part of the Earth-based missions there. But our thanks today goes to Andy Squires, who actually brought us this story in the first place and talked to us here at Double Tap this week. It is so good to learn about projects that include disabled people, and even more interesting to hear that some of those projects involve space exploration. Huge thanks to Andy Squires, and we look forward to catching up with him again soon. Wow. I mean, on so many different levels, that was so interesting. I, I, I'll be honest with you, when I first heard about this, I thought it was going to be a kind of, you know, almost like, oh, you, this is an experience, you know, mm. like um, a blind person driving a car, you know, you can go and experience this. I thought it was going to be like that. But there's so many different levels to it. I mean, the immediate thing I'm thinking of is um, how helping astronauts now how to cope if they, for whatever reason, like the reasons Andy mentioned there, you know, they can't see for whatever reason. I mean, there's practical things that... that a visually impaired person, a blind person can help with there. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, you're right. It's an incredible thing. And I love the fact that there are so many projects, including that Astro Access project, which sounds really cool as well, Yeah, because that's also doing a similar thing, right? And it's actually giving you that zero G thing. I mean, he didn't get the chance, unfortunately, and he didn't get the chance to try that. Um, but that is something he's hoping to to get the chance to do. And, you know, that alone can just give so much, you know, experience. But again, I love the perspectives that Andy was able to give. You know, simple things like, well, you know, even for a regular astronaut, if their visor, you know, is blocked 
in any for any reason. Yeah, fogged how up do they, or how something do they in see? their eyes. Because yeah. they can't touch, they can't feel their way to do anything. Haptic gloves, yeah, Haptic fantastic. Gloves. I really love though the way that you. Yeah, any sign of a problem. I thought you were going to say at least the seal can give you a round of applause, but no, you wanted to eat oh, the seal. I would, of course. <laughs> well done, Stephen Scott. Lettuce, no thanks. I'll have that seal on a plate. <laughs> I, well, look, you know, you, you got to think about your stomach in these situations. And I'm sorry, look, you know, I'm not going to turn on the other astronauts right away. Oh no, good. Oh good. Even better. Wow. Never go to space. <laughs> Don't go to space with Stephen because he will try and eat you. Uh, no, it was a great story. Thank you to Andy for bringing it to us. Uh, listen, that's almost it for today. Uh, but uh, do keep your feedback coming. Tomorrow on the show, I'm going to talk about something I've bought. I've been buying. Oh, what now? You're going to like this. Headphones. You know I love headphones. It's like keyboards, right? Mm, keyboards, yep, headphones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are a little bit different, and I'm going to talk about them tomorrow. They are from the company Shocks, also or previously known as Aftershocks, oh. um, but uh, they've just shortened it now to Shocks. S H O K Z, and uh, these are the Open Fit earbuds. Not oh, earphones. you pulled the trigger. I well actually done. Them. Yes, only for you guys, not for me. No, I don't need them. No. no, I actually, you know, I've got a lot to say on these. Not going to say any more than that. You'll have to tune in tomorrow. And, uh, of course, more of your feedback to come as well. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. That is our email address. You can also call us one 803 4567 So many people, Sean. So, so many. many people. So many Thank people. Thank you so much. We love the interaction. The feedback is amazing. Yeah. Well, keep it coming. And uh, we will catch you, of course, tomorrow. For another double tap, I'll be talking about headphones and more of your feedback, and uh, even the subject of 3D printing coming up this week, Sean. I'm very oh. excited about this. Yeah, we've got an email from the listener, uh, Jason Fair. Now, you might know Jason, he's been on the show a few times talking about Flight Simulator and yes. his experience of the, was it the open, not the, what's the one from Hymns, the new one? The new Hymns. Uh, uh, yeah, the, well, the Hymns uh, thing. Let's move on quickly because yeah, we both can't that. remember it. Yes. The name is Hymns Thing. The Hymns Thing, the recent one that's just came out. Uh, well, that is <laughs> not the Plex talk. Uh, but yes, he oh, is uh, going to be back with us to talk all about 3D printing, following our question about whether or not 3D printers could print Braille. All that coming up on the show oh. this week. It's a busy one this week. Uh, keep your comments coming as well. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.